Mike, you ready to go? You sure? I did my homework, dude. Uh, what subject? I got all the information I needed on dianthus. We're going to kick butt today. Uh, uh, time out. We're doing coneflowers, not dianthus. What? Echinacea. Coneflower. I guess we're winging it. Hit it. Well, 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 last, the last time I talked to you, Scott, we were doing something about dianthus. You confused the dianthus with dahlias. And yet we're not doing dahlias today either. I'm afraid to even talk about doing my own homework. Well, you know, fortunately, I am what you call a gardener extraordinaire. I can improvise. What are we going to talk about, Scott? I want to talk about coneflowers. Okay. I, I want to give them their own show. We've talked about coneflowers, uh, you know, like around my pool or not around my pool, why they're not around my pool. But we've talked about coneflowers for like fall stuff, you know, leaving the seed heads on, that type of stuff. But I wanted to give them their own 15 minutes of fame. Well, are you talking the original or different cultivars? Well, we're going to talk both so that everybody understands. I have the original purples. See, Scott's got the reins right now. Okay, you're driving us. Where are we going with this? I've got the nice purple ones out front. Well, do you know that those are the original coneflower or echinacea? Yes, I, I have learned that, that they're original. Okay, then I'm going to ask you, since you've got them up front, you've fallen madly in like with them, why do you think, these guys are starting to spread all over the place. Why do you think they're doing this? They're a perennial flower. They come back year after year after year. It, well, and because they self-seed also. Do they? Yes, they do. Well, now, how do they do the self-seeding? You know, it's, this is not a birds and the bees lecture, Mike. <laughs> well, no, it's not a lecture. I mean, but see, here's the deal. You know, the cauliflower, I'm noticing that if you leave, the, you're very considerate, I would say responsible and um, environmental uh, strategist. Basically, you're leaving the seeds he seed heads out there for the birds to come and eat. And trust me, they're out there eating it. You got finches that are out there. Oh, by the way, a little useless trivia. Did you know that the sparrow is actually a finch? Ha! Bet you didn't know that. But anyway, sparrows, finches, all sorts of other birds are coming in, especially when you got 16 inches of what that white stuff out there. These guys are going to be feeding off of it. But they don't totally digest that seed at one time. Now, they can eat 20, 30, 40, 50 of them, but some of them aren't going to be chewed up like corn kernels. Have you ever seen your dogs you-know-what? I don't have a dog anymore, but yes. Okay, and they'd eaten corn. Somebody gave it the corn, and it didn't go anywhere but back out. Right. Well, the seeds from the coneflower are doing the same thing. But where the birds collect, yeah, sometimes they'll get transferred by the wind, but primarily the birds are coming in, eating it. Out of every seven, they probably, two or three of them, they drop with their poop. And so you got automatic fertilizer and an automatic kickstart, and your neighbors are also benefiting from your mistake. Yes, they are. They have spread into my neighbor's so, landscape. What, what, now, you're, I'm noticing that there's a whole bunch of different coneflowers out there. There's hybrids. Yeah, and we can get into that. Okay. They have yellow, orange, red, pumpkin color ones. I mean... Wait a minute. Pumpkin is not a color. Pumpkin is a, well, is a gourd. You're, you're talking orange. You know what I'm saying. Okay. The problem is with those is they're not as hardy or vigorous as the original purple. Oh, do tell. <laughs> do tell. 
I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm that, the rookie. This, You're the, well, this is, I, but I'm impressed. You, you, you. No, I know. Well, I mean, I've done. I, I know. For some reason, I know much too much about coneflowers. Well, okay, you got different colors. You got different colors, which are what I have found out now are cultivars. And if you go to your garden center or wherever you're buying flowers, and you see a name of a plant on the little plastic ID, you know. In parentheses, that little that, tag. Well, the tag that's stuck in the dirt with right. the name of your flowers and it has a parentheses, it's a cultivar, which means it's not, it's a scientifically modified for your enjoyment. Oh, yeah. It's and color it. modifications. But the original coneflower is also an herb. Did you know that? An herb? H-E-R-B. It's short for herbaceous. I did not know that. But they're using it. Well, the the original name, the botanical name for coneflower is called echinacea. And echinacea, they use it as a supplement, sometimes to help to prevent or to flush out virus and colds in the human body. Hmm. So that, I mean, that's a benefit there too. But yeah, you've got a hardy plant in the original or the parent plant that's going to have a lavender purple color to it. Um, And it does go to seed. Do you know, through the research that you've gone through, when you're buying, let's say, a different cultivar, even the original, what do they recommend you do, first of all, before you put it in the ground or when you put it in the ground for the first time? Okay, so let's talk about, we, we talked about this on another show. If I am a coneflower, where do I want to be and how do I like to be? Okay, you're giving it, okay, good. <laughs> it's got a conscience, too. <laughs> So uh, one of the suggestions was, A, you have to pick good sites. And what sites do they like? They like, well, especially the old purple ones, they can grow in anywhere, it's, I am told. And well, your front yard's an example of it, it's, yes. It's, my yard is basically sand with some soil mixed in where they are, so yeah. And they're doing quite well. However, we all know the cultivar ones, like your oranges, your reds, um, since they're a little more picky, Mike, they need uh, a, a little more moist and well-drained soil. And an open area for them so that viruses and fu- not virus, but fungus doesn't attach. I mean, they want them to be a little bit more open so that they can be prolific. And, you know, and we all know they love full sun. All the coneflowers do. A miner in the front yard for several reasons. A, they get full sun. B, that's... Uh, where my designer put them. <laughs> well, yeah. And then uh, C, they're not in the backyard because they do draw in finches. They also draw in a lot of bees. So when people are at the pool, I don't want a bunch of bees hanging around, not that they'll attack us. Or That's anything, very but... considerate. And you know what? Yeah, you're yes. welcome. But did you notice on these new cultivars that are out there, the oranges or the pumpkin, to put it in Scott's term, <laughs> or the reds, or, you know, something that's going to be a pastel color, that the bees and the birds will not go to them, nor will the, nor the butterflies. They will not, they're not pollinators. They will not draw them so that the bees, the honeybees especially, can go and make their, their, their honey out of it, or they take the pollen. They'll go to the original parent plant. Interesting. Yes, so you'll see if you know. Well, maybe they don't get off that same color spectrum that I know, like bees and things can see. So that spectrum is off. So they don't know that it's messed up or won't 
but they just know that that spectrum is not on their eyesight, so I'm skipping that plan. So part of you listeners out there understand the spectrum. There's this full spectrum on the uh, in light. Um, the lack of light is everything that's black. When you see a white piece of paper, that is a full spectrum. When you see the white light, that is almost a full spectrum. You're going to see all of the colors at one time. Meshed together. Meshed together. Yeah. Now, that's how, with the compound eye that the bees have, are able to focus on certain plants. But also, if you saw a bee that lighted or laid light on to the flower itself, it'll immediately book. It'll take off. It he, just doesn't like it. He knows. Yeah. It, well, he or she, the drone knows. Right. <laughs> drone. Yeah. Well, that's, you know. I know. I know. They're going to have bumblebees that are going to do the same thing. I mean, they're not going to go to these, you know, hybrids or these... Uh, well, genetically modified ones. And like Scott, I never thought of it, but I think you're a thousand percent right about the spectrum. They've got yeah. the compound eye and they can see with those, but if that's not radiating into their eyes, they're not going to go over to it. Cone flowers, if you still want those colors, which is cool, the suggestion is for the cultivars to buy the biggest ones or the ones that have multiple growing points, not just one cluster of leaves, primarily because I'm going to assume because they're pickier and they'll be more slow growing. Well, you the get the immediate year. gratification. They've got to establish a root base first. Now, mind you, if you've got one that has one stalk to it, can you, there's an equilibrium for the top growth as well as the root growth down below. You got a really dense tree on a maple, for instance, you got a beautiful canopy on it. The root growth is down below is going to be almost identical as far as going out in the diameter from the center of the stalk working its way out. Same holds true right. with the cone flower. Okay. But you've got to go ahead or any flower to establish a root base before it kicks in. So here's the suggestion for that. You, you, go you, for it, man. You're, you're on the right track. Oh, thank you. Because I did my correct homework. Uh, well, all right. I, I'm gonna, I did this is extra credit. <laughs> what is so it is suggested that if you are buying the plants, the, the, especially the cultivars, um, in the smaller four or six inch pots, that you basically deadhead them like the first year because you want to build up that healthier root system because that plant is not trying to bloom. It, so it says, I'm not trying to bloom, so I'm going to build my roots. Remember, it's still a juvenile. I mean, it's just... Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a toddler. It's going through puberty. No, it's beyond a toddler. A toddler is just coming from, you know, the root base. All right. Here's, I mean, from a seed. Here's your other one. The quarter gallon size container sizes, right. they really don't need that because they've started a root base in that larger... I mean, it may not hurt to do it for a little bit, but you don't have to do it all summer, as they suggest, the four or six-inch type pots. But in those those gallon containers, those nursery gallon containers that you're going to find them in, whether it's Proven Winners, Willoway, Monrovia, you name it, they're going to be what they call nursery pot one-gallon containers. And did you notice, you will notice, that there's going to be more top growth than there is root growth in that one-gallon container also. Exactly. So you're going to have to deadhead or bring it down also so that that root system can really get established again. Now, I have a question for you. What will help the root growth get established that you generally will find in Mother Nature but won't find, well, you will find it in a reputable garden center? Yeah, that's that stuff. 
Yes, that stuff. It's that stuff that attaches to the roots. M-I-C. Michael Rise. Thank you. I can finish off the Mickey Mouse song. I'm, I'm getting close to 60. The, 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 the computer ram up in the brain is No, but I'm slow. really impressed by the way you're memorizing that. I'm, 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 so, I'm sucking the stuff in. Where do you cut the plant down to when you're, what you're called deadheading? I don't know. Okay. You tell me. That's I, why I'm bringing the, it. Oh, the, the I'm pissing him off no, now. No, no, no. The suggestion was just to, to deadhead the flower. Right. So, uh, Mr. Expert, what do you suggest? How, you far, expert? Um, how far do you want to go down? Well, as you don't have to go very far. What's going to happen, it's like pruning anything. When you trim the top, you're going to exponentially produce or enhance horizontal growth. When you prune the sides, you're going to exponentially enhance vertical growth. Now, that's on the top. They have one primary root that goes down to establish the horizontal growth. That's called a taproot. Your perennials, such as your coneflower, when you trim the top, you're going to cut away or prevent that taprooting from occurring. What you're going to be doing is you're going to be promoting the horizontal growth, which are basically going to create more feeder roots. The taproot is not a feeder root, or the deeper the roots, they're not feeding on. They're, or, they're Actually, when they call them feeder roots, they're not really feeders. They take in the nutrients when the plant makes its own food. But the mycorrhizae that you had mentioned, you sprinkle that in when you put the plant down, that's going to help to accelerate when you deadhead the, the more horizontal growth below ground. Now, mind you, also, I don't want you to take a two-foot-tall plant and cut it down to a foot. I don't care what anybody says. Take some pruders. Go ahead and make sure that you go down to where there's a cross-section of leaves and where you have a stem coming from it, get to the, the nearest point of that crotch where the leaves are, and then cut it off. About one-third of the whole area away at one time, and leave it alone. I think that's going to be the best that you're going to notice from the plant. And then again, next year, you're going to be the only kid on the block that's going to have a fuller plant. Because if you just put this one plant in with one single stalk, it ain't going to fill out for you. Some of the ones at our place in those four- and six-inch pots are just singles and... You know, but people buy a few, but, you know, because, I mean. I mean, well, for a number of reasons why they do it, I think that those are better. Not necessarily the best, but they're better to start with a four-and-a-half-inch pot. Younger plant, it's not root-bound. When you see, when you pull that pot up and out, you see all those roots coming out of those drain holes? That's root-bound. Um, take it out, trim the roots up a little bit, open it up, drop it in the ground, do the deadheading. Give it a drink and leave it alone. Uh, now, mind you, I'm a Charlie Brown fan, and with the Charlie Brown Christmas tree, people feel sorry for the little itty-bitty ones that aren't really kicking butt, but people don't want to spend four bucks for a four-and-a-half-inch pot that only has about two little leaves popping out. So, right. I mean, the thing to look for is to get there early, but then to check out to see how many branches— or, or, or stems are coming from the crown of the plant in the pot. If you notice two or three, even though they're uneven from the ground level of the stems, grab that sucker. You're going to have a fuller plant than you will with one that's going to have one single stalk, but has maybe, you know. Especially if it's a cultivar variety. Bingo. Bingo. I mean, if it's a, like I have the standard purple. Yeah. It, you you know. know, and those things, I tell you what, if you want, if you're just getting started or. If you're not, even if you just want something that you don't have to do a lot of maintenance on whatsoever, 
I mean, those are the things to throw somewhere. But, you know, as long and as they're that in is the sun. That's considered a wildflower. I mean, you could go, yeah. I'm beginning to think that wildflowers are looking really, really, really cool. And they are wild because they are in places I didn't plant them. <laughs> no, yes. So, I mean, and they're easy as heck. Let's talk about summer care. I mean, they do their Let's own. Let's talk about summer care. They, what do you do to make sure that your crop out there in your front yard is kicking as much ass as you want it to. I, I mean, they're they're doing well. I don't do anything. Thank you. And so, I mean, the the sprinklers for the lawn do hit a portion of them. So, I mean, yeah, they get rainwater. They get a little bit of, uh, you know, lawn water, a little more than. But there's know. something I'm going to give you credit for. you got to give yourself some credit. I've noticed that I'm keeping my mouth shut most of the time because Scott doesn't like to take credit for anything. Um that when the, the coneflower, for instance, you leave a few of them up for the wintertime with the seed heads on there. Yeah, I started doing that a few years ago. So first of all, the cats love watching the finches on them, especially, you know, in the late summer, fall. So that keeps them entertained. That's also food for the finches late in the season and for every, uh, even, uh, you know, before they uh, winter, I mean, they, they get a full belly like the squirrels do with the nuts, acorns. And then you can leave them up for Halloween to make it look scary. Wait, wait, let me do this. To make it look scary? Or... How'd you do that? It's magic, Mike. That freaked me out. Okay. You leave them up for Halloween. And then, uh, and then you told me, which something I hadn't done before, is um, you can cut them down... But you can also cut the seeds heads off and just laying them on the ground. And that, so therefore you can still get that clean look that the wife likes from the street. <laughs> Blame it on the wife. <laughs> yes. All right. The next door neighbor. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, they, yeah. So you can do that. And then, and then they look good and the area looks good and you still have food for the birds. And I've had so many people complain and tell me, Mike, you're giving people misinformation. I am not intentionally doing that. When I, you brought it to my attention again that you lay those those down to the ground, the seed heads down, those seeds, not every one of them is going to germinate, but that's not the point of it. You're, you're initiating a harbor for healthy soil, first of all. You're going to get beneficial insects that are going to overwinter in it. Number two, you're going to leave it for feed for even the little critters like shrews or voles that are going to come in and start to feed on some of the seed underneath the snow. And then they're gonna, you're going to get decent germination for a thicker, more dense crop of, of coneflower. It just looks prettier, looks healthier. Also, I, here's a couple other things for that. Um, you know, they do suggest for like overwintering, which we haven't gotten there yet, but we'll start there, um, to, to mulch over them. I mean, I just cut them down. I just cut them down to the base. I don't, I don't do anything else. There is mulch, but that's just mulch for beauty that's but not then you're gonna have to up. remove that mulch next year too i and I, I yeah i don't know that mulch in my landscape is 100 percent there 100 percent of the time every year no i'm talking about when you cover them they oh. want you to cover these yeah, no, all you're I, doing is you're pampering these guys yeah don't cover them it's it, you're, you're gonna harden them they're yeah. gonna they're gonna have to live outside in the elements anyway then they're going to be like, well, next year I'd like this type of mulch when you cover me. Well, or, you know, 
Well, the the Hazen frats is next door. They're they're mums. They're <laughs> carnations. They're their dianthus don't have this problem. So I don't I, I don't I don't leave the mulch them. over them. They're well in done. mulch, but not mulch. You know what over. that's called in the industry too? It's called hardening. Pampering. Hammering? Pampering. Oh, pampering. I was going to say hardening. When you yeah. uh, leave them, take their own course. But you've got them all over the place, and I'd like if you could one of these days take a picture and just pop it up there of the flowers that you have. Do you have any vintage pictures of your 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 flowers? Uh yeah, I think I do have some. If you can, maybe you know it would be something to think about a popping up just to show. A number of years down the road, and you don't want any more cone flowers in that right. area, or you're happy with the grouping you have, then you may want to cut them back and 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 get rid of them, throw them in a compost pile or something. So you don't uh, reseed in that area. See, here's the deal. You can do exactly, this is called English gardening, where you pick up, you dig a plant up and you move it. If you don't want it there, like you said, before it goes to flower, you dig it up and you take it over to the compost pile, or you can go ahead and give it to somebody and put it in, a, put it in one of those pots you saved. Give it to a neighbor. Or, but this is something that people have done a lot prior to World War II. And now people are going with these these hybrids that aren't going to be as hardy, but they're going to give you that really cool little essence of color. Just be prepared to expect after the third or fourth year that they're going to start changing to the original plant that they used to cultivate that with. Um, sometimes it's not even a coneflower. They're just using a rootstock. Mm. And then when it goes right back to it, I mean, for instance, I've got myself a variety of... Uh, um, black-eyed Susans that are popping up all over the place. And that came from one pastel cornflower. Interesting. But before I lose this thought, because... I think you just Because I'm close to 60. <laughs> um, I had black-eyed Susans, and they've just, over the years, of everything's gotten so big, they've intermixed themselves. And the coneflowers kind of overtook them a little bit. But I still have some black-eyed Susans. But they look really cool together between the purple... And then you got the, you know, the yellow with the brown head. I mean, they contrast wise. And I mean, you got a hot and a cold side kind of look and they look good together. It's an so. eye catcher. Yes, it really is. And that's the point of gardening for a lot of people. They want to prettify the outside um, similar to something like they do on the inside. The only other thing there is, is that you realize that everything that you put out there is going to be attracting something. I mean, if you want, like you said about your pool. Are you willing to put up with bees? Bees aren't going to go out there, here comes a human, we're going to go sting them. I get really, really happy when I sting them. No, they're not going to do that. You can walk through there, they'll say, okay, here comes that dude. Wait a minute, back off. And then they'll go back in. But you got about 20 different varieties of them that are out there that are being drawn into the coneflower. And they're benefiting from both the pollen as well as they're getting a little bit of a nectar from it. And you're right about the bees because also in my front landscaping, I have quick fire hydrangeas that are huge. I mean, <laughs> they're a lot bigger than I thought big they boys. were going to get. But, and there's a ton of bees all over them, and I can walk on that sidewalk, and none of those bees, you know, unless unless I do something to the branches, none of those bees care that I'm walking by or anything no, like that. Yeah, no, so, they, they just, well, okay. They're too busy working. Into, they aren't going out of their way to sting you. Now, I know people that have anaphylactic seizures because of the bee stings. Um, well, man, I would avoid them altogether. But with what you're getting right now, 
uh, you're getting all of Mother Nature coming. You're noticing that you get different kinds of birds that are going over there, too. I mean, they're just... Yeah. Now, is it only the finch that you're getting? I, well, I mean, there's some sparrows. I mean, but the finches are the biggest draw. Well, now, do you get the purple and the gold finch out there? Uh, I just see gold. Just the gold. Well, did you know that the finches change color in the wintertime? Yeah, I did not know that. What okay. color are they right now? Turn to purple. Purple. Some of them are going to be yellow, but for the most part, I think they're going to turn purple. It's because they're eating uh, the purple cauliflower. That's got to be it. Is it like it's the is pigment? It, is it like shrimp and flamingos? That's why they're pink. Shrimp and flamingos. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. When flamingos eat crustaceans, the pink shrimp they turn pink. That's is why. that what it does? Oh, Mike, where have you been all these years? I didn't know that. Okay, I'm gonna one up you. Polar bears. You know why they're white? Because they're not blue. Well, that might be a good reason, but no, I, <laughs> what's I, your reason? Well, no, I found this out by watching Mister whatever his name is. It's because those the the hairs on the on the polar bear are hollow, and all they're doing is they're reflecting or collecting the sunlight that's in there, and it reflects and makes it look white. Oh, that's so, interesting. And it's used as an insulator too because they're hollow. Because they're hollow, that yeah. makes sense. Okay, let's get back okay. to flowers. Back to the cone flowers, and I want to talk about troubles with them. Okay, and. It's not that this is a trouble, but you, when we were talking off camera at another uh, recording for something else, were suggesting I, I not to preen, right in that area, right. And I use preen for years and years all over that landscape area. Sure, works perfectly. However, you're telling me that. I could be hurting the bees or the birds by putting preen in the ground with those cone flowers? Some of it may be. If they're picking this stuff up off of the ground, too, and coating it, what I do know that preen is, it's a pre-emergence um, weed control. It's going yeah. to prevent any seed from germinating. You put this down, those seeds are down there from over the winter time that you place down there. You're going to be drawing the birds in. And on top of that, you're putting the preen in there. Now, being that that is a chemical... And I don't know if it's pentamethylene or whichever one it is that they have right now. It's going to be absorbed in through orally from the birds eating it. Um, there are certain products, for instance. Uh, so the birds have to actually eat the preen coated yes, little yes, pebble. Yes. Okay. Well, not, not, not necessarily just the pe pebble. There's also a powder that comes. Well, have you ever seen a bird eat? But they, so my, well, hold on. My question here is they're not. Um, having issues by uh, like it being systemic in them eating the plant. No, there's something else, and this is where I think you may be confusing it. Okay. No, it's not a systemic problem. It doesn't work its way into the system of the plant. How it works, preen basically leaves a coat over the ground. I think it's about a quarter of an inch deep, and you're not to break the soil. What it'll do is it's going to prevent any seed from germinating. Um. Okay, so it coats right. the ground down there. When that soil breaks, you're gonna see new you're gonna see some type of life coming through that. It's only as good as how unagitated your soil is going to be. Correct. But but so the bird in order for the birds to have an issue with preen, they actually have to be on the ground and eating it. If they're eating the ground and they accidentally eat uh, eat a couple of pebbles of that. Yeah, yeah. pebbles, whatever right. you want to call it. Less, or I mean, granules of the preen yeah, or dust. They're yeah. very tiny. Um, that's when there's a problem. So it, generally you don't see that. And here's what happens. Correct. When you see that on the ground, the birds are going to, well, we're 
we're going to go next door because somebody dumped this stuff on the, on our garden. Okay. Putting preen down is okay. I it's mean, it's going to be counterproductive. Maybe keep it away from because I mean, if you want more, it's going to prevent comb flowers. Your you're not going to germinate there. Right. Right. So okay. So right. Anything from seed is going to prevent from germination. Right. So that's now. There was another, I mean, when you said something about the birds and the bees, and we're not talking procreation, if there were other products that were out there, that are out there, that are questionable right now, and I'm pretty sure that it does do some damage to the, uh, let's say, bee colonies, as well as the birds dropping out of the sky. Well, we were talking about the, like, the bees not staying there because they know this is crappy nectar so or you know right i'm leaving so preen isn't going to do that to the flower either no. or you know nothing the from the preen chemically in theory now i don't know there may be a little bit working its way into the system of the tr- of the plant but for the most part preen is just a pre-emergent control to prevent seeds from germinating right right so if you've agitated the soil do you know how many millions of seeds are below that or in the soil that have been on Earth. For instance, they pulled, I think it was uh, out of Egypt, some corn that that was put in some tomb with them to take it to, you know, whatever river it was. But they they germinated it. It germinated. And so, I mean, they don't know, I don't know how old it was. They did a a carbon-14 test on it, but it was pretty damn old. I mean, you know, those pyramids weren't put together yesterday either. But yeah, I mean, when you put the preen down or when you un- when you dig the soil up, you're unearthing, you're exposing those dormant seeds to air, sunlight, and moisture, everything that it needs for proper germination and kick-ass growing. A couple minor issues with growing coneflowers. We just talked about the preen, which was not so bad as I had thought. But, I mean, they really only get... A couple of things that are issues. One is a spotting on the leaves. Yeah, that could be leaf spot, homosporum leaf spot. That they have, like leaf spot that you see on uh, uh, bluegrass, like leaf spot that you're going to find on roses. Um, and you know what's the cause of that? Uh, humidity. They, well, bingo. And well, give that man a star. Too much water and humidity. Moisture and humidity. And lack of air circulation. Well, and that too. Yeah. Kinda give that like man the, a star. Kind of like the roses. Yeah, Remember you the roses? Did do your own, and you're paying attention to your own podcast. Thank you very little. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, a little bacteria or fungal issue. Some of the petals drop. They're like no big deal. Okay, let me ask you something then. When you do see that on there, you just said no big deal. Why is that? Because it's not hurting anything. It's 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 a cosmetic. It's it's like it's like Mike when you put your lipstick on. It sometimes and <laughs> or I'm, I'm secure sorry. with that. I'm sorry, your blush and you actually, <laughs> actually turn left too much and you push some down your side. You know, like I look like the Riddler, right? Or Adamant. Remember Adamant yeah. from the '80s with that makeup? Anyhow, off track. Anyways, so it's it's cosmetic. It's I mean. I mean, you look funny, Mike. Going to a white your, wedding. Yeah, uh, and that's a different guy. Oh. Anyway, uh, I mean, you look funny, but you're still a healthy guy at that point. Same with the flowers. Well, so the plant, yes. It, it is, it, you can correct that, what they call culturally, by allowing air circulation, not getting any water onto the foliage. Yes. Mom nature does enough of that. Right, no, but you can. Don't, don't add to... 
you have to correct Mother Nature's mistake by raining on the petals. So you don't water the petals. You water the roots. How's that? Beautiful, man. You are. Oh, I feel like I'm succeeding. Yeah. Yes. One of these days, I'll be a public speaker when I learn to talk. He's too timid and shy. <laughs> so now, do you know the main problem? Of, of a coneflower or a from any of the perennials? Of the coneflower. What is us human beings? No, 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 no. It's it's a, a disease carried by insects. Oh, it's a it's a the virus. I can't think of the name of the virus, um, but it's soil borne too. Aster yellow, aster yellows. You got me going here. What in the hell is an aster yellow? You don't know what the aster yellow? I don't I'll be know. honest. I don't. I, don't, know I don't know. But I do know that the viruses, um, I mean, will attack a plant, and you got to get rid of it because it's going to spread to the others. Y yes. You, you, the first thing you want to do if you have ester yellow is get rid of that plant itself completely. Okay. Get it out of the garden. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to focus on trying to save it. No, 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 no. Your plant or your seed heads and your petals uh, look lumpy, that misshapen. Um, what else? I'm, I'm reading here because like I a, don't... Like, like a witch's broom. Green I mean, tinge. The flowers... It's got the ugly green to it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and that's in the flower petal. Yeah. They I mean, they just... develop. Yeah, they just curl up and then it, it just... It... Some people think it's cool, but I didn't know it was called Astro Yellow. I thought it was called witch's broom. Now, if you look up witch's broom, you're going to see deformed leaves, branches, flowers, petals, and all of this that are going to be so unique... Some people save them, and they use them to put it, you know, dry them out. Like Jen, Beautiful Blooms by Jen, she ends up using that, drying it out, and putting them in their flower arrangements. Unique and different, but it's not something most people want in their gardens. So I don't want to end on a downer. Well, let's 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 pop a few uppers, okay? What, what, what? I've got I've got a couple. I mean, names here for things that may be of interest of uh, coneflowers for you to grow. For me to grow. Well, for our listeners to grow. Okay, for us to grow. Yes. Obviously, the good old-fashioned pink-slash-purple single flowers are called Magnus coneflower. That's, that's the big we're... one. Well, it's the... Magnus stands, it's Latin for huge. Whatever. That's what they give me, the gals that I date, they call me Mr. Magnus. Yeah, they get pretty tall. I mean, uh, mine, are, not that mine are a good three feet. Yeah, Easy. Easy. Yeah. Easy three feet. But then the other ones, the hybrids. That well, did let's it. not go there yet. Okay. I would still want to talk about Magnus because you were telling me much like when we were talking about Wajilius, and then you had variegated color, and I mentioned I had solid green growing out of it. You said that was the plant going back to mother, its original form. You were also telling me that coneflowers will do the same, and it will go back to the Magnus state. Any variety of a perennial flower that's been hybrid or genetically modified eventually will return back to the parent plant or the, the original cultivar, um, like the Magnus that you've got in your front yard. So if you started with red and all of a sudden it is pink. Yeah, you thought something got into the dog chow. Yeah, yeah, no. It's, I mean, it's natural. It's natural. It's starting to change back. It's retorting. So, yeah, I, I had some hybrid, uh, uh, well, I had a coneflower that retorted back after about four years. And then I had uh, the black-eyed Susans, which they have different varieties of them, that retorted back to the original plant, parent plant. And I think they're kind of cool. And like I said earlier, it makes me look like I know what the hell I'm talking about. 
but or what I'm doing out in my yard with little work. Um, you, sir, have got a beautiful arrangement of flowers that are out there in coneflower. Are you specifically interested in the coneflower itself or, the, I mean, the magnus that you've got out there? Or are you thinking on going different um, cultivars? So, first of all, those have been in there for 20 years. Oh, easy. And when we put those in, my brother-in-law designed that landscape. I have no idea what any of that. You didn't crap care either, was. as no. long as it looked pretty. No, that's why he did it, right? But, you know. And so, so, so if you were asking me if I'm like going somewhere different with them, I was like, hell no. But you know, I, now that I'm starting to know what I'm talking about, you want to try certain things in different areas. No, uh, no, I'll, I'll stick with you know different types of hibiscus and uh, the, the tropical look out back. Well, yeah, you're going to do the banana the tree this year. But here's something I don't want you to do to the coneflower. Okay. Being that it needs an ample or a deep root base, but I don't think the plant's going to do well if you're going to try to container grow it. So don't container grow them. No, do not container grow them. I mean, if you want to container grow a perennial, think of the smaller varieties of different varieties of flowers, like pinks or something like that, balloon flower, uh, galardias. Anything that's going to get relatively tall needs a deeper area for the roots to expand themselves as well as they need um, rebounding for the following season. In other words, they slowly go dormant and they store the energy in the root base and the crown for the following season. When you have that root base in above ground in January, February, March, I mean, the winds are going to be evaporating the moisture that's in there, and it's basically going to burn up the root base for it too so that they're not going to rebound. If you're going to do them and you want them in a, in a, in a container, make it look unique and pretty, the following fall, early uh, October, end of September, put them in the ground. Find a place for them, drop them in the ground, and then they'll probably, the likelihood of them surviving is going to be a lot better than they would in the container. Just in the container. But it's not necessarily going to mean that you're going to have major success because they're going to need an ample period of time to get the root system established. Okay, so some other flavors as everybody else in the garden world calls them varieties. I call them flavors. Flavors. Yeah. Uh, of coneflowers. One is a white swan. Well, you showed me the picture on that. That's pretty neat. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, is the pure driven snow. The it's, other, it's the one I like only because, uh, you know. But it's not big. Uh, I mean, it's, that, it's not going to get like the big ones that you have out in your front. Uh, two to three tall, one to two wide. Two to three feet tall? That's what it's saying. As tall as the purple ones. Wow. Uh, the okay. other the other ones I like are uh, Tiki Torch, which is that pumpkin orange. <laughs> and that's like a two-footer. Okay. I But, uh, you know, Tiki Torch, come on. As soon as you say Tiki, I said hello. Well, that's because it, 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 it draws the attention yeah. of Scott Sandstrom and his his it's, tropical it's, paradise from May through September. So here's another one, hot papaya. Who's, who's naming these things? I don't know, but uh, I love the names. But that's a, a red um, with uh, double double flowers, like shorties and long ones. So that's, you mean in in the in the blossom itself? Yeah, yeah. Got, so you got short ones and then followed at the out, outer perimeter with the longer ones. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's cool. That is cool. And uh, the other one, which is really cool, um, it goes by two names. 
its its trademark name is doppelganger. You know what a doppelganger is? But it's also sold as a double decker. Oh, doppelganger means that you know there's somebody that's almost identical to Scott that was we're over two blocks down. Yes, that's a doppelganger. So they don't get uh, they don't get as tall, but what the doppelganger does. Maybe not your first year, maybe not your second year, but after that plant gets established, it's a regular purple, and on top of that seed head, you have another blossom that starts with petals that starts coming out. But it looks like it's it's a little fountain on top of it. Yeah, it's a, a double bloom. So, and that looks, I mean, that's really cool. They also uh, talk mm-hmm. about, you know, if you get that plant, it needs to establish itself. Well, know. most all of these are going to. Well, now, before this one will double grow. The before do- that'll give you the doppelganger yeah, effect. Be, right. For the first year, maybe year and a half or so, it will grow a single bloom. Well, yeah, but for the most part, on any of these, whether it's like the Magus that you, Magnus that you have, yeah, or any of these hybrids, you're still going to have to expect or give it enough time. In other words, when you put it in the ground, know that it's not going to perform the way that you want it to for at least two years. Or two seasons. By the third season, people are going to be breaking their necks looking at it going, what is that and where did you get it? Well, I mean, you know, you can promote your wife's uh, family business or you can just say, <laughs> I did a little, uh, well, genetic modifying myself. <laughs> anyway, so that is some um, discussion on the coneflower. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad we gave it 15 minutes of fame. Is there something you need to add? Well, I to just, this show? I just wanted the emphasis that I would have placed on that is that they're really easy to grow. Give them sunlight if they're in the proper areas. Sunlight, air, and moisture. That is going to be basically for any of those coneflower. Now, when later on in the season, we're going to be talking certain plants that are going to need the shade. For instance, Lenten rose. We'll talk about that one later. But when, right now, when it comes to the coneflower, anything that you can find out there, read the ticket or the, the, the uh, card that's on there. Understand the height that they're going to grow to, the diameter that they're going to grow with, and then give them the ample environment for them to grow properly. Just don't drop them among other tall plants and say, grow, baby, grow, because it ain't going to happen. Anything else you want to add to it, Scott? No, I, I think that pretty much wraps it up for... All right. Well, are we going to have anything class. interesting to talk about next week? Um, some, Just stay tuned. Uh, we'll, uh, well, no. At this point, we're scheduled to talk about herbs, but not in the way that most people talk about herbs. You're pronouncing it correctly, too. The H is silent. Herb? <laughs> Does herb grow herbs? We're not going to be talking about herbs with the way most people no, think no, of basil. No. This is not. I mean, you're going to take a or a, a, a leaf and grind it up, let it dry, and put it in there with your 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 lemon soup. I mean, it's just not. No, we're not going to be talking about it that way. Got unscheduled to talk about clematis vines type growing, uh, some hostas because man, those are popular all the time. You can always learn something about hostas. Are we ever going to be talking about? You know, carnations? No. Dianthus? Dahlias. Oh, dahlias we're going to talk about. That's cool. And then uh, banana trees is also slated because we had some really interesting banana trees in the shop. Something you can go ahead and put in your backyard and you can have your tropical paradise out there. Yeah. 
You mean I'm never going to be using my dianthus? You you hang on to that wrong homework. All right. We'll see you later, folks. All right, everybody. Until next time, take care and uh, think of verbs in a different way, too. Go outside and uh, get dirty. Dig some dirt. Clean dirt. Thanks for listening to your Midwest Garden. If you like today's conversation, please share this podcast with friends and family. And don't forget to click on the subscribe button so you won't miss any future episodes. Plus, if you have any show topics you'd like us to discuss, head on over to our sponsor's Facebook page, which is Black Diamond Garden Center, and message them your topic idea. For all of us at your Midwest Garden Podcast, I'm Michael Rourke, the Garden Guy. Hope you enjoyed today's conversation.